Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Uh, title of the sermon this morning is Send Laborers, and this is not some sort of um, uh, dark uh, comedic type thing, uh, given that all of the labor shortage that we see, uh, even to this day, even a shortage that has affected us itself, it's merely providential that we're in this passage uh, this morning. Some of you who came to our uh, evangelism training and discipleship training, uh, you'll recognize uh, some of the themes, at least, of what we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, this is not a part of a larger series. This is kind of a, a one-off type sermon, a palate cleanser, if you will, uh, between uh, longer series. And so we'll be jumping around. Uh, go ahead and give you this. Luke chapter 10, uh, Matthew chapter 9, and Mark chapter 4 are three passages uh, that we want to see. Uh, and I just realized this, uh, draw the attention to our logo. Uh, one thing we want to talk about and been praying through is that that's a cross in a splash, meaning as, as we become disciples who make disciples, we will impact our city as the ripple effect goes out. And so we want to see that this morning. What, what is the look? How, how do we impact our city for the sake of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. You're talking about uh, worker shortages and all the signs that we see here and now, help wanted and workers needed. Uh, This is something that we see from Christ himself, not that he needs us, but he invites us to take part in his mission. You heard of it in Luke chapter 10, as I read a second ago, that Jesus sends out the 72 and he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. What are we doing? What, what harvest are we going into? What is the work that God has called us to do? And, and how are we to see ourselves and our work in light of what God is is doing. And so uh, we see here in Luke chapter 10 and even in Matthew chapter 9, as we'll see in a second ago, that this plea is actually to pray that God would send workers into the harvest. And so the conclusion of all of this is that as we come to the end of the sermon in just a little bit this morning, that we would be people that pray that God would send us into the harvest, that we would be the answer to our own prayer, that we would be the answer to the prayer that Christ prayed, the high priestly prayer in John 17. He says to his disciples that I'm sending you out and I'm praying this not only for you, but all of those who would believe. And so if you are a believer this morning, you are part of the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed for those who would believe that you are one who he is sending out into the world just as he sent out his early apostles. And I want to say this as well. Here, here's another maybe practical point before uh, we jump in. I talked about labor shortages and help wanted and signs you, you see here and there. Uh, and, and so here's maybe just kind of a practical application that I want to challenge you with before uh, we even dive in is uh, when you see those signs, uh, oftentimes that frustrates us. There it is. Someone else is looking for work. I was at the hardware store. Help wanted. At PJ's. Help wanted. I was at Sam's. Help wanted. That's frustrating. Maybe the Lord would turn. Every time we see or hear of those shortages, that God would turn our hearts to him and say, God, would you send me into the harvest? 
God, would you send laborers into the harvest that what we see all around our city and all around our nation work shortage? God, turn that into a prayer instead of frustration. And say, Lord, would you send laborers into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray fervently for God to send out more laborers into the harvest. So that's some of the, uh, what we want to look at this morning. Under three headings is what we're going to look at in those three passages that I've mentioned to you before, plus maybe a few others. What is the mission? What is the Lord sending us into? Who does the Lord use? And what does the mission look like? So we want to kind of answer that question this morning, kind of in a big sense. Labor for what? We're laboring for what? So what is the mission? Who does the Lord use? And what does the mission look like? The first thing I want us to look at this morning is what is the mission? We know from the story of Scripture, cover to cover, that the mission of God is to fill this world with his glory. That's the mission of God, to fill this world with his glory. We sang it a second ago in that song, Behold your God, you will reign forever. Let your glory fill the earth. That is the mission of God. His glory is the mission. And the Lord desires his glory to fill this earth as water covers the sea. And from from cover to cover, that's the story of the Bible. That's God's mission. All the earth filled with his glory. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2, don't we? When God made man in his image, he created them male and female, and he told them, these image bearers of God, to fill the earth with his glory, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so even before sin entered the world, the mission of God was for man to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with image bearers of God, male and female. That was his, that was his mission. That's what God designed man to do to fill the world with the glory of God. And as you know, sin entered to the world. And so now we're broken. We're shattered mirrors as it will. We no longer reflect God as we are. We need to be made new. And behold, God has made a way for us in Jesus Christ to be made new so that we can be part of the mission that God has designed us for. Genesis chapter 12, God begins to form a new people. God calls Abram. This is what the mission is, to fill the world with his glory. And God calls Abram. He leaves his homeland. And God says, I will make a new people, a new nation that will bless all nations. Matthew chapter 28, when God is, when Christ is forming his church, his, his, his people, those who had trusted in Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, we get the great commission. And the commission is to go into all the nations, making disciples, teaching them to obey all God commanded, and he would be with us to the end of the age. The mission of the church was to make disciples so that disciples would fill all nations so that the glory of God would fill all the earth as water covers the sea. That's the, as some uh, scholars would, the missio dei. That's the mission of God for the glory of God to, to fill the earth as waters covers the sea. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 through 5 where the Bible tells us that if we have Christ, we have this treasure in this jars of clay and God has made us a new creation. We are being renewed in the image of Jesus. That image that was broken, we are being reformed, remade into the perfect image of God in which we were designed to live and God is using us to fill the world 
with his glory. Revelation chapter 5 gives us the consummation of all of this when we see people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and land surrounded around the throne worshiping our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The mission is complete. The mission is fulfilled. This mission will be completed by the grace of God. From age to age, the mission has been unchanged. God's glory to cover the earth through you and me. This mission is a mission that will be accomplished. If you want to be part of something that you are sure will be accomplished, be part of this mission. The mission of God, redeeming lost man, renewing people after his image in the likeness of Jesus Christ and filling the earth with his, with his glory. This is the mission that we get to be a part of by the grace of God. This is where the world is headed. So you can read the news, you can see all the signs, you can see all of the shortage or whatever else, and you can know that the world is headed Maybe you think this world is headed to a really bad place. This world may have troubles, but we're headed to a glorious place. He will renew all things. And we will be part of that. And we will enjoy that forever. Heaven will come to earth and the glory of God will cover the earth as water covers the sea. This mission will be accomplished by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the mission that you and I were made for. This is what you're designed for. This is why God created you to be part of this mission. So that's the mission for the glory of God. We're not even into those three passages, but we're about to get into those three passages. I want you to see the mission. That's the kingdom of God. That's what we're after. Who does he use? That's the second question. The first question, what is the mission? We see the mission cover to cover. We could say a lot more about that. That's a whole sermon series within itself, but let that suffice for now. Number two, who does he use? Generally speaking, but very profoundly speaking, he uses humanity. Male and female, those who he created to be image bearers of God. That's who he uses. All of those who are new creatures now, who have been made new to reflect the image of the perfect image of God, Jesus Christ, those are the ones he is using to accomplish this mission. But what I want to draw from these passages, getting more a little clarity. So, so what does that look like? We know he uses us. by his. He doesn't need us, by the way. He could do this however he wanted. But he has chosen by his grace and mercy to give us a role in this. Isn't that glorious? That we get to be a part of the most glorious mission of all of humanity. The reason this universe was designed to proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ. What grace and what mercy he uses you and I. And I want to draw from three passages. I'll mention them again in case you want to mark those and turn there. Matthew chapter 9, around verse 36. Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 1 and following. And Mark chapter 4, verses 26 and 29. Matthew chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, and Mark chapter 4 are some passages I want to flip back and forth between so we can kind of see who does he use. And here's what we're after. What is the posture? What is the posture? We know these these are people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. So if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not giving you a list at this point of you must do this in order to earn the favor of God. You must come to the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You must be saved. So if you have never come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, cast yourself upon him. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Turn to Christ and times of refreshing will come in his name. To turn to Christ. So this is not a list of things to work on, a list of attitudes to work on, but who we are made in Jesus Christ. If we are to reflect Christ, the perfect image of God in this mission, we will look something like this. Matthew chapter 9. Go ahead and turn there. Starting in verse 35. So we're getting the posture. Who does he use? He uses people. And he went through all the cities, Jesus did, through all the cities and all the villages. This is Matthew nine thirty-five teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Here's the first thing I want you to know as Jesus calls us to go into the harvest and pray to send us into the harvest that we are to go like our Christ, we are to go with compassion. That if we don't go with compassion, then we are absolutely missing what God has called us to do. Do you notice how Jesus looked upon the lost? Do you notice how Jesus looked upon the helpless? He looked upon them as sheep without a shepherd, and therefore he had compassion upon them. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, as God uses us as we go into our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ to be part of this mission to make disciples of all nations, to fill the world with the glory of God, do we pray for compassionate hearts? Do we look upon our city, by the way, who is some 78% of our city is lost without a relationship with Jesus Christ? Did you know that? That's fascinating. I don't say fascinating. It's overwhelming, I should say. It's humbling to think of that. That statistics have showed that out. Do we look and do we wag our heads and say, oh man, they can't believe they're living like that? Or do we look upon our neighbors Do we look upon the hurting? Do we look upon the afflicted? Do we look upon the addicted? Do we look upon those who are looking for direction? Those who are looking for a shepherd? Do we look upon them with compassion and we say, we know the good shepherd and he has saved us. He has laid his life down for me. He has shown compassion to me. I have beheld in the face of Jesus Christ, a compassionate shepherd, the one who laid down his life for me. So I will go to the nations. I will go across the street. I will go into my workplace with compassion, just as Christ has had compassion on me. Will we go with compassion? Now turn to Luke chapter chapter 10. And we're going to really back up into Luke chapter 9. So we go with compassion. Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12. Luke chapter 10, he sends out the 72. And so in the context of these two passages, Jesus is sending out. 
In Luke chapter 10, we get what Jesus says again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, just as Matthew recorded. Luke records the same thing. So we're still in the same context of Jesus sending us out. So we go out with compassion. Now, now Luke chapter 9, as he builds up to the sending out of the 72, as he's already sent out the 12, is going to give us a, a little more reflection of what, what does this look like? We go with compassion, Matthew chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. Verse 46, and Jesus said to them as they're arguing over who's the greatest, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Look at this. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples this lesson before he sends them out to know this, the least among you is the greatest. So we go with compassion and we go with humility. A humility that's much like the humility to reflect the humility of our Christ, who has humbled himself, even to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. We must become the least if we want to be of any value in the kingdom. We must go with compassion. We must go with humility. Now look at Luke 9, chapter 50. But Jesus said to them, I know there's more we can say here, but suffice this for now. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him. Others who were healing and casting out demons, don't stop him. They wanted to stop those folks because they weren't just like them. For the one who is not against you is is for you. So Jesus is teaching them in this moment, the one who is not against you is for you. Certainly this takes some discernment. Certainly this takes some discernment because some people will do works, but they won't be of Christ. They will look like they're works of Christ, but not truly be of Christ. So this does take some discernment, but what Jesus is teaching them at the, at this moment is that we need to work with others in sharing Christ. That we need to work together. We don't do this alone. Here's the application. It might be us rooting for other churches in our city who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're not exactly like us, but... They're, they're, they're proclaiming the name of Christ. And this is why we associate together with other churches to say, hey, we're together in this. We can't reach this city alone. Let's work together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go with compassion. We go with humility. We go together with other believers. And number four, we go with mercy. Listen to what Jesus says. They're ready to call fire down on the city. And they say, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume this city? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Jesus is saying, don't call fire down. Harvest is coming. Judgment is coming. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of grace and mercy. Now tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go with mercy. And the way we go with mercy is tell them the good news that Jesus saves sinners. So we go with compassion. We go with humility. We go together. We go with mercy. And number five, we go leaving everything. Listen to what Jesus says. All building up to sending him out. He's teaching them all this. As they go, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no way to lay his head. So remember, we're reflecting Christ. This isn't five easy steps to following Jesus. This is the way we reflect Christ and Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, this is Luke nine sixty, and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Yet another said, I will follow you, but let me first say, well, say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to them, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. So we go with compassion. We go with humility. We go together. We go with mercy. And number five, we go leaving everything. Discipleship takes priority over everything. Following Jesus takes priority over everything. So putting it all together, we go with compassion. We go with humility. This is who goes. Humility. We go together, cooperating with other believers, working with others and sharing Christ. We go with mercy and we go with sacrifice, leaving everything. Now, what does the mission look like? So that's how we go or who goes. The third point, how does this mission look? Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. I'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll make some observations about it. Here's the next point. That we go like a farmer. What does this mission look like? It looks a lot like farming. Mark four twenty six, And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so now when we get to Mark chapter 4, we're getting this, this picture that we go like a compassionate, humble, teamworking, merciful, sacrificial farmer working the fields. And so this is what it will look like. So let's make a few observations about this. Mark doesn't bring it out here, but Luke 10 and Matthew 9 bring it out that the Lord sends us into the harvest. The first thing he says to do is what? We are called to pray earnestly. We are called to pray fervently that he is sending us out. And so our first duty is to pray. The farmer prays. The compassionate, humble, cooperative, merciful, sacrificial farmer prays. The Bible says that we are in earnest prayer. That God would send laborers into the harvest. And think about this for a moment. As you see signs, help wanted or workers needed, pray for this. That God would send laborers into the harvest. And who knows, you may be an answer to your own prayer. How awesome is that? Wake up every morning, God, God, leave this place today. God, send laborers into the harvest. Guess what? He's sending you. God, send laborers for the harvest into my workplace, and he's going to send you there Monday morning. You're an answer to your own prayer. How awesome is that? God, how, who will you send? God, send me. Pray that God would send more laborers, and pray that God would send you. So we're called to pray. We're called to labor. You notice in Mark chapter 4 that this man goes into a field. This might not sound like much, Chances are you wouldn't go to the Midwest and watch a farmer plant seeds all day. That doesn't sound very exciting. In fact, it sounds somewhat normal and absolutely necessary and routine. It's very commonplace, but it's not something that is, that, that seems wild or crazy or something you want a TV show about, right? But the Lord is calling you to labor. 
It's a labor that's probably looks very normal, whatever God has gifted you and called you to do. But it's a labor that's very necessary that God has given you to do, and it probably looks very routine. It probably looks like a daily honest, a, 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 a day of honest work. Feeling a little mundane at times, but it's necessary work and it's work, and it's work that's worth it because God has called you to labor, so you go into the field. The field is the world. Where has God sent you? What does your field look like? He's called you to labor in that field. In the normal, routine, but necessary routines of our life. We're called to pray. We're called to labor. And we're all sent into different fields. And he said, the Lord, the kingdom of God is that if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Let me make this point before we go any farther. So we go into the field. Luke chapter 10, verse 3, as the Lord has sent him out, he says, you go your way. Luke chapter 10, 3 says that. We go into the field. The field is the world, but the Lord has probably given you different sections of that field to, to sow and to plow and to work. We're sent to different towns, different places, to different people. Who is the Lord sending you to? The grass is not always greener in the other field. Stop wishing you were in that field. God has sent you into this field. So pray, labor, go into the field, go into your field. And what are we to be doing as as farmers? He goes into the field, this farmer does, and scatters seed on the ground. Jesus tells us that that seed is the word of God. We are to go sowing the word of God wherever we go. Telling people about the grace of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. We go to different towns. We go to different places. We go to different workplaces. We go to different families. We have different circles of friends and whatever it might be. We are called, but we are called to the same work. To make Christ known. To scatter seed where Ever he sends us. And what does this look like as we scatter seed? Mark chapter 4, verse 26 says, The kingdom of God is as if, and what's the, the work of God to fill the world with his glory? How is he going to do this? It's going to be like a farmer scattering seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. Seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first blade, then ear, then full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in his sickle because the harvest has come. So we're called to scatter seeds. And truth be told, we scatter seeds on the, seeds on the ground and the soil. We all encounter different soil. As you go about doing this into whatever section of the field the Lord has given you, when you go with compassion and mercy and, and grace and you cooperate with one another as you go praying and laboring to all of these different fields, know that you will encounter different soils. You will encounter different hearts. You will encounter different responses. Jesus says that I'm going, in Luke chapter 10, sending you, you're going and I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. In other words, I will provide for you. Verse 6, if son of peace is there, the peace will rest upon. Sometimes you'll run into a son of peace. Sometimes you will run into somebody who will receive you. This would be a spirit-prepared person. You will run into those as you pray for the Lord to send you into the harvest. Don't be surprised when you find a son of peace who wants to know more. Who wants to give their lives to Christ. 
This is a spirit-prepared person that God has put in your path, in your field, as you go about scattering seed. May you find sons of peace. Sometimes you will find a son of a gun. You will find someone who will not receive you. But Jesus says, move on. You will find rejection. You will find persecution. You're going out as lambs among wolves. You will experience that, but your shepherd will keep you. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. And don't be baffled by it because he says in verse 11, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Don't mistake rejection for hopelessness. Jesus said, yes, you will be rejected at times, but you will find sons of peace. Nevertheless, know that the kingdom of God has come near. We all scatter seeds. We all encounter different soils. And we all experience changing seasons. Do you notice what he says in Mark chapter 4? First, there's the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. Sometimes it moves more slowly than you want it to. Sometimes it doesn't look as glorious as you want it to. But the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts small. It has small beginnings. But then it sprouts up. Keep farming through all the seasons. He is producing something and likely producing something in you. When it's time for the blade and you're ready for the ear, when it's time for full grain and you're ready for the ear, when it's time for harvest and you think it's time for harvest, but you're still in blade season or ear season, be patient and trust that the Lord is doing something. We all experience changing seasons. Trust the Lord If it's moving more slowly than you thought it would, trust the Lord. Keep working, keep laboring, keep praying. If you're ministering to a family member and you just don't see any fruit, keep laboring and keep trusting. The kingdom of God has come. Anticipate the harvest. This is what Mark says. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it to the sickle because harvest has come. Mark is talking about, Jesus is talking about the final harvest, the final judgment that the end is coming. What he has in mind as he sends us out as farmers, the mission will be accomplished. People from every tribe, tongue, nation will be saved. The sickle will come. The harvest will come. But as you wait for him to come, He's gathering his church. He's gathering his people. So keep farming all dependent upon the spirit. Do you notice what he says in Mark 4, 27? He sleeps, the farmer does, and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. This is all the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this, I, some watered, some planted, But it's God who gives the growth. Jesus is saying here is trust me. You know what I've called you to do. Leave the results to me. Leave the harvest to me. You be faithful. You look like Christ. You show the world Jesus. Because even as we labor, we rest in the grace of God. We sleep. We rise day and night, 
and the seed sprouts and grows, and we don't know how, but God is faithful. So brothers and sisters, we have a prayer to pray. That God would send laborers into the harvest. That he would send you and I to the harvest. And so let's ask the question as we close out. What does your field look like? How are you tending your field? How are you sowing? Because the mission hasn't changed, but the method hasn't changed. We scatter the seed of the word of God everywhere he goes. And this is grace-driven effort. We rest in Jesus where people have been with Jesus, we pray and we watch and we see what he does. So my challenge to you today is may God change us that we may be compassionate, humble, teamworking, merciful, sacrificial farmers, going into our fields, sowing, sleeping, waking, watching, waiting, praying, and trusting, resting in the grace of God and seeing what he might do. Let's pray.